0: From the basement up. If you're a mom, you've probably heard of California Baby. It was the first kid safe and pure plant based shampoo and body wash available to parents. And I was lucky enough to find it for my son 15 years ago. Today's guest is Jessica Iklasoy. She's the founder of California Baby. Jessica's journey started in the early 1990s in her kitchen with a $2,000 loan from her mom. Through word of mouth, she grew her products and her following, even inspiring Whole Foods to create a baby care department. In every sense of the word, California Baby is a huge success. Still, I am more excited to have Jessica here today because of her passion for making clean and pure products for our little ones. So hello, Jessica. Welcome to From the Basement Up.
1: Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I'm loving it. Great. It's great
0: that you're here. And I would love for you to start off just really, really wanting to know if you wouldn't mind sharing the very first and the most important ingredient in every California baby product.
1: Well, you know, I I like to say that the first ingredient is love in California baby products. My first um, tagline um, was developed by a mother. California baby has your child's best interest at heart. And so we've used that heart, you know, logo um, from the beginning. And that's like, you know, a thread that runs through our brand because it's, you know, as a mother, you know, it's everything you know, love goes into everything, doesn't it? It
0: absolutely does. And actually, there's a kind of a, a nice little parallel here on our printers. And I think I said this in my episode. Mm-hmm. I put hearts on every single printer that makes labels. And I really want those kids to know that they're so loved that their parent went in and you know, designed their label and made it for them very special out of love. So I, I love that. It's wonderful. So I also was hoping you could introduce California baby to our listeners and also why it means so much to you.
1: Well, you know, so when I started California baby, I did not intend to start a business. Um, I actually, was a new mom. Um, I have, I was wanting to get pregnant and I, you know, as, as we do, we start cleaning up our lifestyle. We stop drinking coffee, no wine. And, you know, all of a sudden we're paying attention to what we eat. And so I got pregnant and I, I had my son. Um, I was taking deep dives into living a natural lifestyle. Um, I was not working at the time. I, Um, was breastfeeding him and really just looking at everything in my life and and trying to clean it up. You know, so once you turn over one stone, you know, the other one, you turn over another one and then you're like, oh, my God, there's formaldehyde on my sheets. And I did not know that. And then there's um, pesticides on our produce and there's hormones in our milk. And, you know, so I became, you know, alarmed and I was trying to live the best natural lifestyle that I could. And this was back, you know, over 30 years ago when organic really wasn't even on the map. It was in its infancy. So, you know, I lived in Los Angeles, California, so we did have organic farmers and, you know, Whole Foods was just kind of starting to come up or natural health food stores. And so I bought a shampoo at my local natural health food store, which is now Whole Foods, and very quickly. Then was Whole Foods, and I thought I was buying the very best product that was available. Um, obviously, it was more expensive. It was marketed as natural, and when I looked up the ing- when I compared the ingredients to the natural shampoo to the conventional one, I saw that they were exactly the same. So that really alarmed me. The only thing that was different was the marketing, and. I happened to pick up um, a chemical dictionary at the library and don't even ask me how that happened. I just saw it on a cart and went, oh, this looks interesting. Oh, my gosh. You know, and so I started looking up ingredients and the first ingredient, the cleanser sodium lauryl sulfate um, is was listed as a potential carcinogen the fragrance, synthetic fragrance, whether it was in the natural product or if it was in the conventional product, um, it was a synthetic fragrance and they were just marketed differently. So the natural product said natural fragrance and the conventional product said fragrance, but in the chemical dictionary, they were exactly the same ingredient and they were both, both listed as carcinogens, known carcinogens. They, and so I was just kind of shocked that These products, first of all, were available to our children, Mm -hmm. Um, but even more shocked because I was shopping at an alternative market, right? So I was purposely trying to not, you know, use those products. But when I went to my health food store, they were basically selling me the same thing. So I was really outraged. And when I would talk to people... Again this was this was before we had all these luxury goods for babies Absolutely. right so um you know you you basically had one choice and so when i would talk to people they they would say well you know it's just a shampoo or it's just a lotion it's not a big deal and i just really couldn't get it out of my head and it was a big deal for me and so i took it on as a passion project i thought what would i do and i had no intention of creating a company. I just thought, well, what would I do? How would I replace the sodium laurel sulfate? How would I replace the synthetic fragrances? And after three years of research and development, I actually had a product. As you said, I, I mixed it in my kitchen on my stove. And so now I had a product that I went back to that health food store and said, this is why this is so much better than what you have. And now all of a sudden I was in business.
0: Isn't that amazing? So you see this need, you dig in, you make it happen. And it's, it's groundbreaking. It is it, you made it like an industry disruptor, you yeah. made a huge change. And now there's this, you know, there's a, there's a division and there's a whole different line.
2: So, and I'm you're sorry, completely catapulted the organic yes. in, in my eyes. Like that is so crazy that it was marketed as organic. And then you're coming in like, Nothing about this is organic. What are you talking about?
0: And I thank you, I think we all have to thank you for this. So thank you for making this happen. So this is, this is something that, you know, reading your background and watching your videos and seeing that, you know, you worked with scientists to make sure that you were creating something that was, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about this. Um, I love that you did that to make these recipes and it just was such a great idea And I'm just curious, as far as like those original recipes of working with the scientists, do you, how long did those go for? How long
1: did you work with those? So, and the reason I did that is, so back when I started, you know, the health food store Um, situation was very crunchy. It was very crunchy granola. It wasn't, it was just about natural. And I actually, I really loved that about it, but there were compromises. So you would see products that were separating or going bad. The people who are actually trying to do it. um, And they you know, they would accept that. And I thought, no, my product has to compete with the best in the world. Right. So it has to be efficacious. It has to be stable. It has to, you know, it has to be as good as, you know, the Johnson and Johnson's of the world. And, um, and it has to be safe and it has to be natural. It has to, it has to check all those boxes. So that was my goal in working. Cause I could have just, you know, done something very easily on my, uh, in my kitchen, put it in a bottle, really, not know what's going on inside that bottle Mm -hmm. and take it to the store. And I probably, you know, could have gone to a farmer's market. I could have sold products that way, but I wanted it to function and perform. So that is why I was working with chemists. So, so they were teaching me because I had no background in this. The only thing I had, what I brought to the table was curiosity, mm-hmm. um, the the willingness to um, to take the chance and do it and the vigilance to um, make sure it was right. And I was a pretty good cook and making a shampoo <laughs> is kind of like cooking. So I was like, oh, I think I can work my way around this. Um, so I think that's just really number one. And, and, and so we our products, it's interesting. Our My very first product was the calming shampoo and body wash, right? So mm-hmm. I replaced the sodium lauryl sulfate with um, a material called a glucoside. It's a total different class of a cleanser. It's um, It was developed in Germany. California Baby was, um, I think, one of the first companies to, to use that material, especially 100%. And it's uh, very biodegradable. It's not damaging to the skin. Um, It's finicky to work with. And that's why a lot of companies didn't want to work with it. Um, And then I uh, used um, French lavender as the scent, you know, Mm -hmm. so no synthetic fragrances, pure French lavender. So that calming shampoo and body wash is still a bestseller for us today. And it really hasn't changed too much. Um, it, it's changed in that I wanted not to use parabens as a preservative, but really that was the only thing that was available at that time. Um, so it took me, you know, over 20 years to develop our own plant preservative because um, that was a big goal of mine. Good for you. And, That's amazing. Thank you yeah. for doing that. Yeah. Well, and that really, it came again from like, nobody really seemed to be interested. (laughs) I would talk to like the big companies and go, Hey, you should make a plant preservative because you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, Oh, that's expensive. And I'm like, how much do you think it would be? They're like about a million dollars. I'm like, that's expensive for you. Big gigantic corporation, you know, that that's not expensive. So actually, and then I went, why am I giving them the great idea? I'll just R and D it. And it did, it took many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. And we finally, um, we, we were successful at it. So we've added that to, to our product. So the change to that calming shampoo and body wash is that, you know, the preservative, um, is now hundred percent plant-based and the product is completely plant-based and we test it. We have it third party tested. So like we say, don't, don't take our word for it. We send it to a third party, then they send the results to the USDA. And then they're the ones who are certifying that it's hundred percent plant material. Um, So the products, and that's kind of what I love about working in skincare and our products. It's not brand new every season, but I can perfect and refine the product so that our products have kind of remained the same, but they just kind of have gotten better over the years. Well, also, I want the listeners to know that you have over a hundred products. So yeah, we actually have over 200 SKUs. When I say SKUs, I'm meaning different sizes and things like that. Yeah. But a hundred unique products. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So that must be fun.
0: It has to be, I can tell you have a creative side to you too, but I love your integrity. You have so much integrity and you're really helping us all out. So, but the hundred products, how,
1: I mean, what inspires you to make a new product? Yeah. And it always our customers, right? So I never, ever bring in a product because the market is saying, you know, that, Oh, this is trending right now. You know, we never add those products. In fact, we're usually the pro the company that makes the, the market trend. Um, but we've never discontinued a product and we don't add products arbitrarily. So it's because a co- the mom or the consumer has said, I need this um, like, for instance, it, it it took us a long time to even come out with a diaper care system, you know, way back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been you know, we've had it for over like probably 15 years but until parents were telling us we need diaper care and we need it this way, um, you know, and it needs to be gluten-free because I have an allergy like California baby was one of the first companies that had a gluten-free, um, products. And the reason was not because we thought it was a great idea, but it was because our customers were asking for it. So, so product development always comes from the customer. If, if mom doesn't need it, uh, we're not going to bring it out. Um, and then the other thing would be environmentally. Like for instance, we've taken a stand on not having diaper wipes because I find that they're, they're just a problem. You know, they're a problem for the sewer system. Environmentally, they're a problem. I don't even think they're very good products. They're basically just water, a lot of preservative and a lot of fragrance. Um, we have a diaper area wash and we teach our parents how to just make your wipes at home with a reusable, like a washcloth, you know? Um, So it's either the environment that dictates the new products or, or the customer. I love that. Yeah. That is
0: so great. Um, I, you know, looking at this and you seem to be like the, the groundbreaker, you're making the change in the industry. The industry really has evolved And it's really you, you started this,
1: you started the process. (laughs) Well, thank you. That is very sweet of you to say. (laughs) I don't know if that's the case, but you know, I think I did have a little bit of a hand in it. Absolutely. So, and I'm
0: just curious, I mean, in some ways it's so refreshing, maybe just seeing it happen everywhere. And I was just hoping you might talk to that a little bit, like, where do you see it now where you didn't see it before?
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, you are correct in that. I really knew that I had to be the one to, to do it, to show that it can be done. Because when I would talk about, first of all, I mean, my product, that calming shampoo and body wash that I mentioned, mm-hmm. it debuted at fifteen seventy five. So $15.75 for a shampoo over 26 years ago is really, now it's like, okay, yeah, things are so expensive and that's, you know, luxury. Or, but the next product, that was that a consumer could buy was probably double the quantity and and like you know 4.99 so that was a big jump and and i i got a lot of no's people would go no 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 nobody's going to pay for that you know that's too expensive so i just realized that i had to show it i had to prove that it could be done um and that's the same thing with our general philosophy with california baby is that i thought I'm not going to change the big companies, right? I'm not mm-hmm. going to change the way they do business. I'm just going to have to show them how to do it. like, And, and actually, that's what I'm proud of. I, I know that when we first went into the big box, like when we went into Target, yes. we did change the market because the buyers and the consumer would say, well, if California baby can do it, you have no more excuses, right? Because they can sell in a mass market. At those prices, consumers do care about the ingredients. So, so the big, you know, the big companies no longer had, they couldn't hide behind, oh, it really can't be done. It's a fantasy. No, you can do it. California's baby is showing you that you can do well and you can do good and that the, there is consumer demand for it. Um, so, I don't remember what the original. No, no, that's
0: was. fine. It was actually just talking about the changes. And yeah. I actually found you in Target. And okay, that's yeah. how, that was how I started yeah. using, um, yeah. it was the calming bath for my son and yeah. it was great. So he had really sensitive skin. So it yeah. was, it was perfect. And, and yeah. when Emily and I started, uh, you were one of the first people I wanted
2: to talk to. I think you were oh. like one of the first yeah. people we reached out to because oh, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, just because like your stuff has always been like Michelle's like Go to brand. Like she and like she's from California. I don't know if she mentioned (laughs) that, but um, she is a West Coast girl.
0: (laughs) But I just really appreciated that, again, the level of integrity that you create your product with and the research. And, um, you know, I want, we're going to be posting videos of the things that you have, you've been on the today show. Um, you've been on a number of interviews, but you you know, your, your manufacturing site is state of the
1: art. It's beautiful. It is. It is. I'm so proud of that. And actually, I'm, you know, so it is pharmaceutical grade and I've actually had um, it's an FDA registered facility, meaning we can make drugs. We make OTC. Sunscreen is an OTC. Eczema is an OTC. Diaper rash is an OTC. And it's also certified organic. And, you know, a really proud moment was when the FDA came uh, for their inspection and they complimented us and said, you know, this is a really beautiful facility. It's higher quality than a lot of, than, any of the pharmaceutical, you know, facilities that I've been to and the, the inspector said, and I only do pharmaceutical inspections and not only that, but you guys go beyond what you need to do. And the inspector said, usually I'm looking for where they're cutting corners, where they're hiding, where they're trying not to follow the regulations and you guys are going beyond it and you want to go beyond it. And this is, and I just thought, oh my God. And I was like, can you please just record that? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So, and
0: I'm curious about this and we'll, we'll get to this part, but I I don't want to forget it. You, you're so, you're such a stickler on ingredients that you want the best possible ingredients that you actually now grow your own ingredients, Um, which, and this, this is giant. I mean, this is like a huge leap. I mean, not only are you a manufacturer, you're now a farmer. How, How did you make that happen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's pretty next level. And to be honest, I didn't really realize it at the time. Um, again, it was just solving a problem. I was trying to solve a problem. I was working with an organic farmer who was growing. Um, it started growing our calendula. So the calendula flower is um, something that we use in, in a lot of that. And we use it in every product. And um, so I wanted it to, you know, to be organically grown. And so this farmer, he was doing it for me, but I wanted him to, to follow certain quality (laughs) control Mm -hmm. steps and he just didn't want to do it. And he was just like, you know what, here's the flowers. I grow them. They're organic and he couldn't grow enough for us. So I was trying to work with him to to do that. And then I just, again, I had a, I, I just have to do this myself, you know, and I had been looking for years to find the perfect farm and, um, I did. I found a really beautiful farm in the Central Coast. Um, So we're in the town of Los Alamos, um, which is by like Los Olivos, if you know that area. It's a very hopping, very chic kind of up and coming area, about 40 minutes north of um, Santa Barbara. We're in an agricultural area. And I just... I think I just did an internet search and saw this property for sale. And I said to my husband, let's go. We got to go see this property. And, (laughs) you know, we had no idea. Right. And so we're driving and it's like this, you know, it's kind of like there's a one lane, you know, in the town and hadn't had never really i had never been there before, actually. And um, so we get up to the property and I was blown away because it's on a hilltop. And Beautiful. it's just like perfectly situated, kind of like, um, you know, a west, southwest exposure, you know, rolling hills. And it was actually a vineyard when we bought it. It was, a, a, you know, they were growing it for for winemakers. And I just said, this is it. You know, it's like, you know, that you have those moments where yeah. you just go because I had seen quite a few properties. Right. That wasn't right. This wasn't right. And, and I was like, this is it this is the property. And I said to my husband, we're buying this property. And if you give me a problem, I will divorce <laughs> you. And I will never, or, or I will never let you forget <laughs> that we did not buy this property because, you know, he wants to get a good deal. Okay. Now we've got to negotiate. I was like, no, no we'll buy <laughs> like, I don't even care. <laughs> like, I want it. Yeah, it was just, I was so passionate about it because normally I'd be, I'd be okay with, you know, all the negotiating, but I was like, This is it. We have to do it. And he just he looked at me and he, he just walked away and he said, do whatever you want. Like, uh, <laughs> I love and so, it. For, you know, we, we snapped it up and then, and then becomes the work of, we had to convert it to organic. So it wasn't like immediate that we could start growing. Um, because I, you know, there was maintenance that needed to be done and how I did not know how to grow organically, you know, and I looked at my team and I was like, okay, we're going to grow calendula. It needs to be organic. And they're like, how do we do that? I was like, I don't know. No. Okay. I don't know. Fascinating. So, <laughs> so
0: interesting. And it was so that's not the only ingredient you're growing
1: as yeah, well. Right. Do you see yourself growing all your ingredients someday? Yes. That's the goal. That's the goal is that at least the bulk of the, one, the ones that we can grow, right? So some ingredients, okay. um, just are not conducive to grow in that area. Like, um, Arnica Montana, right? That's an herb that's great for bumps and bruises, but it likes to grow in very high altitude. You know, so for us to grow, it would be kind of a fool's, you know, chore, but, um, anything that we can grow there. So, so we've been developing and hybridizing our own French lavender, um, eucalyptus, um, which we use in our, um, eucalyptus ease products. I planted a bunch of roses. That's a little experimental, um, to see, you know, how we can extract that. Um, we've grown, you know, so we're just growing everything that we can mm-hmm. and, um, not trying to T- at olive oil. So I planted a lot of olive oil trees oh, and nice. um, we got some beautiful harvests. So eventually maybe we'll be using that in the products. Those That would be new. Um, so everything that we can grow, we're going to grow. So, I mean, this is off topic,
0: but... Isn't Chanel, it, there's like a hundred year old rose farm
1: in France ah, that Chanel yes. gets its perfume from. Yeah.
0: So, yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. And are- that actually is, um, look, that's an inspiration for me. Yeah. So, and, and that's why I share my story because I want people to go to say, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Cause if I look, when I look, I think I saw a documentary on Chanel, you know, making their perfume and, and I'm thinking, Hmm, that doesn't look that hard, you know? And I, I you know, I think, I think I can do that too. So sometimes just seeing somebody else do it is really all you need to get the inspiration, you know, to do it. I've been kind of thinking
2: throughout this whole conversation, like you, you entered an industry as an organic product before like organic was even a thing. And then you came in and you said, that's not organic. This is organic. And you're kind of setting the pace for what organic is. Like you're even with you going and telling us now how you want to get farms for all of your products, like that organic industries are hearing that and like shaking in their boots, you know,
1: (laughs) you know, I don't know why, because it's so funny. People are always bringing up mountains and they'll say even like some smaller farmers and I encourage them and I'll say, you know, why don't you get certified organic? And they're like, no, 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 no. That's too hard. It's too much paperwork. I'm like, really? It's not. And actually the USDA, um, Will refund your fees like it's basically kind of free. You just have to do the work. And I think there's misinformation out there. And I don't know. I, I just I don't know why I think they should. I want everybody to go organic. You know, it's it's. um it's only good for the planet and it's only good for us as people not to be ingesting all those pesticides. Sure. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if there's misinformation
2: out there. Well, so. because up to this point, it's been a marketing strategy. It hasn't been like you led the trail of like, this is for my child. This is for me. Like this is for my loved ones. But everyone beforehand was like, this is just something that people want to hear. You know?
1: Yeah, they're, they, you're right. They do it just as a marketing. And I think that's unfortunate um, because, listen, you can, it's a great marketing, but, but if you're, you know, I use it for marketing as well, but you first have to believe in it. Like you have to walk the walk. You have to talk the talk. And it's not just marketing. You know, that's false. And that's, I think people misunderstand that in the naturals industry and the natural food industry. You know, that's a big disappointment for me that the natural foods market has kind of gone south. You know, when I was young, I loved the natural food store. It was so inspiring for me. I could take my health into my own hands. You had like real companies making vitamins and who, like I say, I, you know, it came, I came up with the hippies and the hippies really believed this, right. Mm -hmm. They were changing things and then the suits come in and then they turn it into marketing, Mm -hmm. you know, and my attitude is, well, why can't we have both? Why can't you keep the integrity? And there are some companies that have kept the integrity, but by and large, you walk into whole foods now and all you see is junk food, Mm -hmm. you know, with an organic label on it and that's not health food, you know? So, um, I don't know. I think people sometimes are lazy. I think they just, you know, just, just don't want to do it. They want to take the easy road. Yeah. And you went and you did the research and you are
2: like planting your own roses to take test (laughs) trials. Like that is a lot of extra work that you're doing that of course people won't want to do. They just want to label it organic and
1: be Slide on by. But you know, it's fun. It's actually really fun to do that. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that kind of dovetails into the idea of, you know, you do what you love. Mm -hmm. And I actually, you know, if people who are doing things for marketing, they're not really doing it because they love it. They're doing it because they want to make a buck and, you know, make it, you have to make money as a business, you know, that in order to, you know, to keep your business going, but you also can love what you do and, you know, have integrity, you know, while doing it. That It shows. It definitely
0: shows. You don't create a hundred products, a hundred organic or 200 products um, without loving what you do. And I I saw a podcast that you did. You have a beet farm and I so I'm, I want Emily to take, we're taking
1: bee 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 classes
0: (laughs) in March. That's fantastic. I love it. I, 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 I'm obsessed because I know that they're in trouble. So when I saw the bee farm or you have beehives on your farm,
1: I had to talk to you about this. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is, I'm very passionate about it and I'm really happy that you're doing it because the bees need you. The bees need all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, Here's the thing: is we brought we brought bees onto our farm, and we were working with the people who who um, provide the hives and the queen, and they're basically experts. Primarily, I think they provide the bees for the almond groves in California, because you know if you know the situation with almonds, they need the bees um, to to pollinate them. So, the unfortunate thing is that bees have been used as like tissue in this, co- in this country and they've been bred down to be very docile. So the beekeepers can handle them and do their work, but they've lost a lot of vigor in their, um, they can't fight back, you know, in their immunity. So they have the mites um, that attach to them. And so I would say to you, look for, to create diversity in your bees because I will say that we have had failures in, with our bees, we have lost every single beehive that we have placed on our farm, and we've we've, you know, we've approached it very mindfully, and we thought, okay, it's an organic farm. We've got a hundred acres of organic farm. We have a pond. We have a water source. We have food. You know, we've got the flowers. We've got we've got an orchard, um, and it happens really overnight. So when we check on our bees, they're looking great. They're looking, everything's great. And then the next day you come and they're gone. And, you know, and then it's like, and people know that this happens. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bee collapse. And this is what we're fighting against. And I was talking to another farmer and I asked him, you know, I was at the, cause I shop at, I shop exclusively at the farmer's market and there was a farmer and he has honey and i said hey how are your bees doing and he's i said because my bees collapsed this year again after the second time and he said mine do too they do every year oh. and um he said i have a hive of africanized honey bees that do really well i leave them alone they're they're much stronger they're the only bees that really produce honey for me and so i was talking to him about like how do we make the, the, the honeybee that's commercial here that you probably might be using, um, get them vigorous. You know, how, how do we, you know, get their immune system? How can they fight back? How can they fend for themselves? So I think the more people, and I would encourage everybody in the country to have a beehive if you can, because we need, it's just been so commercialized yes. that they're very weak and they just, you know, so they need us to, you know, backyard honey beekeepers, go for it. Okay. I will. So, but I do think I'm hopeful that if, you know, people like you and and other people, home beekeepers, I think will be the ones that will, the commercial, the commercial will not, they are the problem. And unfortunately we're we'll have to go, go and clean up their mess. Um, but I think people like us will be the ones that will, you know, contribute out. to, to okay. saving them. I, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm, I'm glad that you
0: did. Cause I was scared. You know, I know that you have to check them every day and be very diligent and I was just worried I wouldn't be able to, to handle it, you know, or wouldn't be able well, to Well, just
1: be prepared, you okay. know, cause it's very disappointing and I was very disappointed. I thought, what did we do wrong? You mm-hmm. know, we tried to do everything right. And then I thought, well, maybe we're inexperienced. Okay. Next time we're going to approach this different. And I've, you know, we were having weekly phone calls, you know, with an expert. And, um, so just be prepared that it will happen. And I think just with time, you know, you're just going to have to keep at it. And, um, you know, so don't, don't get, don't take it personally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good to know. Um, so I, I noticed that the natural advisory council Uh is, it has a pretty prominent space on your website and, and it looks like you're really involved with them. And that was something I wanted to ask you about.
1: Yes. Well, you know, so just like everything else, you know, I think we have to advocate for ourselves. So the natural advisory council was created to, um, Create some legislation around um, skincare, natural and organic skincare, because I don't think people understand. Um, organic food is well re- regulated in this country, so you can, you know, rest assured that the broccoli, you know, if it's organic broccoli that you buy at the grocery store, has been produced organically because it's a federal reg- regulation, and there's real penalties, you know, if com- if farmers don't follow them. But in skincare, it's there is no regulation, so you know you hear organic skincare, you hear natural skincare, you hear clean skincare. These are marketing terms. They're not regulated. It it really means nothing. Some people can make skincare from um, organic food ingredients like oil, right? You can almond oil, you can do that, but you can't make functional skincare. You wouldn't be able to make a sunscreen. You probably wouldn't be able to really make a shampoo or a lotion. You know, it's just, um, So, so that, you know, again, I go to DC, you know, I go to Washington DC and I don't know that, I don't know what this, I haven't been lately since, you know, COVID, Mm -hmm. But what I always found was fascinating is you really could just walk in and talk to your congressman or your senator and just walk into their office and tell them if they're not in, then you can talk to their aides. Um, And I just thought this is incredible that we can actually, but most people don't do it, right? We complain, we sit home and we complain. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, I went there with a group to talk about um, chemical regulation, you know, reform and So I realized like, if I just put in the effort, I can probably, you know, make a difference. Um, It can be really frustrating because, um, you know, legislation, you know, it starts out incredible. And then the very companies that are saying that they're working towards this legislation or that they're clean and all that stuff are the ones that are whittling it down because they're, they can't meet those, you know, they can't meet those regulations. So they have to dilute them. So that for me was a little disappointing because you go, there with such high hopes, but you know, you just keep going, you just keep going at it. And so right now there is no regulation, unfortunately, but that is an organized group to, to, you know, get some regulation on the books federally. Nice. And if anything,
2: if anything, if we all know about California, you guys will be there first, hopefully leading the legislation.
0: So, yeah. and just so the listeners know, um, you know, you're close to 30 years in business. I mean, cause do you add
1: on the R and D ahead of time? or Are you right at 30 years? You know, I, I just started counting when we incorporated Okay, and you know, when we incorporated was in 1995 and that was like my, our first sale. Actually I had to incorporate, I didn't even know really what it, I, I remember. I went, it's now whole foods, but it was, a, it was called Mrs. Gooch's. I don't know if you remember Mrs. Gooch's. No. I was a natural health food store and um, they asked me for an invoice to, you know, because they were carrying my, I was like, well, here it is. And they were like, no, that's an order form. I was like, well, what's an invoice? And they're like, well, it looks just like that, but it says invoice. So I crossed out order form and wrote invoice. <laughs> I was like, okay, here you go. Um, and then I realized, okay, you got to get incorporated. Now you've got to do all these things to start a business. So um, again, I was not intending to start a business. Um, you know, for those three years of R and was just keeping myself busy. You know how you have that new mom energy and sure. you're like, I got to do all the. You got those hormones running. <laughs>
2: you know. That's so funny. You're saying you're keeping yourself busy. I'm like, well, yeah. this is like a 30 year business.
1: <laughs> I'm keeping myself busy. <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be the name of my memoir. Keeping myself busy.
2: Oh my gosh, that's such a great title. <laughs>
0: yes. So, and I'm 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 looking at this, and I'm I'm wanting like. It, th- and I was trying to figure out how to ask certain questions because it's a huge amount of time. And, you know, what an accomplishment, amazing success. So, but how do you, how do you, when you look at it, like your child or your kids growing up and you kind of can cut things up in
1: stages, can you do that with California, baby? You know, it. You, it is a long time, but it. Do, it. it's not a long time to me. Actually, I felt like, I, I feel like even today, that we're still just getting going, you know, even after all this time, because there's so much groundwork that needed to happen. And there were certainly milestones, right? Like the first, I would say the first five years in, and I think statistics bear this out, which is the vulnerable time for businesses, right? From yes. zero to five years, if you can make, and I remember this one lady who um, was in business and she was actually in the skincare business. And I was just talking to her and she asked me, how long have you been in business? And I said, yeah, five years now. She's like, okay, you're going to be fine. You made it, nice. And and I was, I was like, oh, really? Have I? <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank you. Like, I I did not know. But you know, it's nice to hear it from somebody else who has, you know, who has experience. Um, so that was a milestone. Um, you know, certainly. I think making the jump from Whole Foods into Target, you know, was a big deal, you know, because that's a different customer, although really it it was the same customer. Uh, I remember the reason we went into Target, Target was after us to come. You know, they wanted to carry our products for a couple of years and we kept them at bay because we just didn't think. the the customer was ready for us until um, we had, and this is when you would answer the phone, right? When you'd have the number on the back of your label and you'd actually answer the phone and take orders and do all that. And people would call us and say, you know, we really wish that you can sell in Target because I have to drive an hour. My nearest Whole Foods is like an hour away. And then when I get there, they're sold out, but I have like two targets in my neighborhood. So if you could, so i said, okay, the timing is right. So that's when we made that jump. And then we were successful there. So not a lot of companies were successful. You know, there were a lot of natural food, small businesses that, that went into Target, but they didn't sell. Um, and we were there for um, about eight years and it was our decision to, um, to exit Target just because the marketplace changed mm-hmm. and we're focusing online, you know, so, you know, marketplace changes and, you know, we saw that our customer was buying a lot online. And um, so we thought, well, let's, let's put our resources into online and my, um, son, Miles is um, working with us and out of school. You know, it's great to have a a young, fresh person who, you know, has um, all the skills. And so he developed our website and our subscription program and our newsletter and online, all of that stuff. So I have to
0: tell, tell Miles, he did an amazing job. I was (laughs) looking through your website, your subscription
1: Page yeah. is beautiful. Oh, I love good. it. He will love to hear that. He worked so hard on that. And that was his, that was really his baby. So thank you that he'll love to hear that. I will let him know.
2: And um, the little, sorry, the little heart in the tab that you said, the, the heart is carried through. Yeah. I, I see it even in like the top tab of my computer, yeah. like where I type in California, baby, the little heart yeah. pops up. So yeah. the attention to detail.
1: Sure. Yes, That's yes, it's really called brainwashing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I just really quickly, when did you know you would be wildly successful?
1: Oh, gosh, I did not know that at okay. all. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And I, I, you know, I did not. I remember saying something that would, I thought was silly, but, and I didn't actually believe it would happen, but I, but it was my goal. And I I said, you know, I want California baby to be the new Johnson and Johnson and I didn't mean it in size and scale, but I meant that because everybody all parents just use Johnson and Johnson as a default. Right. So I wanted, I thought like if, if they could use California baby as a default, that that's success. Right. Uh, But I had no idea what that meant. and, and, I think I'm a little suspicious in the sense that I don't want to think about success. I just, I feel like if you do the work, the success follows. So I never, ever, like even when I'm developing a product, I don't know what the price is, right? I don't even, I was like, I don't care. Let me just think about the product first and we'll deal with you know with the prices and with the cost of the bottle and the label because once you start restricting yourself then you start making compromises mm-hmm. so um i never i never think about money money doesn't drive me um but i i know i need it <laughs> i know i need the money to to r and d and you know to buy the ingredients because we work with a lot of small suppliers and We have to many times place our order and pay for it in advance. Um, So we need to make sure that they're healthy so, you know, they can supply us with the ingredients. But I actually really don't even feel like we've we haven't really seen our full potential. You know, we still have a long ways to go. Isn't that nice?
0: It's, it's. I it, think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I just hearing you, your vision, that that big, hairy, audacious goal. You hear people say that. Yes. I see that. I can definitely see it. And you put it out there, and you made it happen, and following through with integrity. And your, your supply chain. And that was something I actually do want to ask you, obviously you're growing a lot of your things too, but we just went through some craziness with COVID. Did you, did you have a rough patch
1: with that, with dealing with the suppliers? Well, we did and we didn't. Um, I'm also a bit of a hoarder when it comes to ingredients. Okay. You know, so my my philosophy is I would rather have it in my warehouse than your warehouse. Yep. Um, and so I always give at least one to two year projections. So um, usually, and I want to make sure that my suppliers are, you know, they have the materials for us, and then I I'll pay for it, and it'll be in our warehouse. So we did have. Um, material. When we did go, we we ran through alcohol like crazy because we make a hand sanitizer oh. and we made it before, you know, COVID. And I think we went through, you know, a year's worth of material in like four weeks, you know, and then we were scrambling like everybody else trying to get alcohol. Um, yeah. I mean, bottles, um, we try, here's the other thing that has been, was good for us is we try to source as much in the United States as possible. So like, for instance, our bottles, you know, surprisingly they're made in California by a family, you know, by a family manufacturer. Um, So, and then the other thing is that I'm really proud of too, is we um, converted our bottles to 100% post-consumer plastic. Oh, good for Um, you. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so... And that, that converter is in Los Angeles also. And so it's basically taking HDPE, well, we use only HDPE, um, and they take it and they, you know, convert the, the, the used material and make new bottles. And it's actually a cleaner process than virgin plastic. You know, it goes, it goes through so many steps of purification that at the end, it's actually a cleaner product. So, um, But we did, you know, liners, liners for the thing, like these little things that you take for granted. um, We have had to find alternate suppliers. But for the most part, I would say we we fared pretty well. Okay, well, good. Again,
0: you you look you seem to have the long game
1: well in hand. It's the long game. You're, You're exactly right. I believe in the long game, not the short game.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So I did see here, you know, I, I, I saw you in an interview and I just loved this, that, you know, encouraging women to have a sense of entitlement. Yeah. And I thought that that was amazing. And I know for me personally, it really took me a while to kind of own my space. I, I tend to be a softer personality. Um, and I just love that, you have this confidence and this
1: wisdom. And I was curious, did you always have that or did you develop it over time? I think a little bit of both. Um, I think I was born, um, <laughs> a little bit of a wild child, you know, and just kind of didn't have that. You know, I, I wasn't as well socialized as most people, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and then I, um, I learned it and I, um, Because I would see men and I always, I would observe them the way they do business and, you know, they have a sense of entitlement and it doesn't, even if they're very nice and they're very good about it, they just do business differently. And, and I, I, I would always see women deferring to men because we've been socialized, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. I realized it was, we were socialized to behave that way. And, um, and, and I guess. In maybe in your family life, maybe in your social life, that might be a good thing. But I, in business, it's not a good thing because I realized we're not speaking the same language as men. You know, why? this is why we're kind of ships passing in the night. And I realized that, you know, there is a language, there is a neutral language called business. If we just speak the language of business, then we, we can all, it, we don't have to bring our um, I, you know, whether we're male or we're female, it doesn't really matter anymore because business is a neutral, is a neutral playing field. But at the same time, business is a very male playing field, right? So if you look at it and I would look at football, so I grew up having to watch sports, not because I wanted to, but because my family would watch sports. And if I wanted to participate, I, I kind of had to watch football and basketball. And, and then I would see a pattern of how sports related to business and men kind of did business in the way that they did sports. And so I, I would start relating to men really more on a sports level. And I saw that they would respond well to that. And I didn't think, I didn't find that men would discriminate because I was a woman, they were discriminating because I wasn't speaking their language, Okay, you know? Um, and so that's when I said, look, as long as I can speak the language and I, and I don't have to ask for permission to speak, right. I can, men don't ask for permission to speak. They just raise their hand and speak. And so that's why I, I said, you know, just have the sense of entitlement, have this sense that, yeah, you can speak. You don't you don't have to. It, you're sitting at the table. You were invited to this table for some reason. Either you have the education or you have, you know, the skill set. So You were invited to the party. Now let's participate in the party. You don't have to wait. And, and also you don't have to go and get the coffee. You know what? We can all get up and get the coffee together or, you know, um, so. But I think women need to be trained to that because we've been trained so much the, the opposite, you know, and that's mm-hmm. not my personality. And I remember, you know, people were trying to get me to, you know, act like a lady or, act, you know, <laughs> I was like, you know what? No, I, I'm going to act, you know, like everybody else here. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I try to say to women in in business. And um, yeah, just have that sense of entitlement. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but you just have to have that confidence Right. Thank
2: you for sharing that. Cause I think that that's really valuable for everyone. Especially for like women, like women, my age hearing that, like I have yet to enter the career field in which I'll be working, but I like, I love hearing things like that. And I need to hear things like that because all I know is what I've been in, like trained, how I've been trained in school and like how school has been going and people are, you know, kind of, it's kind of more level, but I understand that's not reality yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we all, we have to like open a school for, you know, young people young women in particular i mean I would say I have two boys so i would you know say the same thing to my boys um but I think w- you almost need to have a, a finishing school on mm-hmm. like how to do business right i mean women women are we're different right i mean we're different we we we're superpowers and that's the other thing i want to say to to especially young women being a woman is your superpower. It's not a deficit, you know, who else can make a baby? Yes. Like, I'm like, can you make a baby? Cause I can, Literally. and I can keep them alive, you know, with these things, for, you know, a year and a half. And like, you, I don't see you being able to do that. Like, Women are incredible, and as soon as we just like go, we're incredible, and we don't have to be snobs about it. You know, I just I I want women to really, and young women especially, to really understand how incredible you know we are. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: I really fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. I, I I I feel very lucky being able to work with Emily and having young people here at the office and just watching them grow and expand. And it's really, it's really amazing. I think I feel in general, I'm in my early 50s And I feel, I see a change happening and I can feel a change. I can. And it's
1: fantastic. Saying that it's really nice for like the different generations to mix. Right. Mm -hmm. So to, to, to share that knowledge and maybe not just hang around with your only your with your age group, um, you know, talk to, talk to older, you know, women, older, you know, men, um, they can be incredibly helpful too. So I think that's wonderful.
0: Absolutely. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So, and, and I, I hope this is okay to ask because I feel like you're just getting started, but I'm assuming you've had many requests or, or people wanting to buy California baby. And yeah. so you are the industry maker and I'm just, it's a family business. Yeah. What, what do you see happening in your future?
1: Yeah. So it is a family business. So California baby is, um, certified woman owned. So, you know, there's a company that we bank that can certify. Um, and also it's, it's family run. So my husband works with, you know, in the business, he helped me grow the business from the beginning. Um, and then my son, Miles, um, has joined us. So, um, you know, the idea is that, And 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 so going back from the beginning, like I've had so many people who have wanted to buy the company Um, and I did talk to them in the beginning because I needed to understand, you know, the marketplace, like I didn't even know what private equity did, uh, equity did, what investment bankers did. I didn't know what strategics were, you know, strategic is like the end, like a, you know, like um, a Procter & Gamble or J and J, who would you know? They're the ones who would end up with it. So I, I, I entertained those things and had those conversations. And I say I got my MBA, <laughs> you know, just having those conversations. And because I was always told you have to sell your company, like that is the, um, you know, that's the trajectory of of most small businesses. You're not going to be able to survive, you know. And so that in the beginning, I was a little bit scared, and I thought, oh gosh, you know, maybe that's what I have to do. But then I, when I actually took those meetings and I talked to them, I realized they did not understand my company. Mm -hmm. And you know, some of them even had the gall to tell me how they would change it and they would change it fundamentally, you know, like in the sense that they, they would say, um, you know, we would, um, strip the lavender and just, you know, make, give it cause you know, lavender has over you know, like thousands of little different, um, chemical components, plant, plant com- chemicals, plant chemicals. And so you can and what big, big business likes to do is they like zero in on like the functional part, or if there's something that might be an allergen, they'll, they'll remove that. And um, I remember sitting down with a company and their scientists telling me like they would change the French lavender. And I said, but that's like fundamental to the brand, like the calming French lavender, that is what it's about. And you're, telling me that that's what you're going to, you know, they, I was like, you're not that bright that you're telling me, uh, you know, exactly how you're going to change my company. And I just thought, and then on the flip side, I had, I had customers saying, please don't ever sell because we need your product. Your product is the only one that works for me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I did realize, and I said, I, I said to myself, well, first of all, we don't have to sell. I mean, we, We're a, you know, a very viable, sustainable um, business and I don't need that money. Like I don't, you know, what am I going to do with this jackpot of money? I'm perfectly comfortable and we just are getting started in the business and I just thought they were going to ruin it. And I've also heard so many companies that have talked about, like they did, they regretted that they sold it afterwards. Right. And, and so I came up with this philosophy for myself. I, and I, I said to myself, if you ever feel like you want to sell the business, take a vacation because really what you need is a break and you don't need to sell your company. You actually just need to take a vacation. And so that's what I did. And then I would come back with like, you know, energy, like, okay, let's get going. You know, would that be, you know, something in the future? I don't think so. And I've looked at other companies and I thought, like, I looked at Estee Lauder, right. I was like, I know, and I know their structure is a little different. They're, they're public, but still family controlled. I was like, well, why can't I do that? You know, what makes them any different than me? You know, that's the other thing, like entitlement, the sense of entitlement is like, you're not that much smarter than I am, you know, like why, why is it that you can do something, but I can't do it. So, um, and our products are very difficult to make, (laughs) I have to say, you know, and, um, so it's almost like we, we need to do it. And, um, You know, I'm hoping, you know, we're, we're working with our son Miles that he will, you know, one day take over the company. And, um, you know, what I really want him to understand is quality control because that's the lifeblood of our company, right? If you don't, you can, if you don't have a brand, you can always get sales, but if you ruin your brand, it's hard to recover from that. Right. So, um, the manufacturing In manufacturing. mm -hmm. And if you have some, that's why we manufacture ourselves. Most companies don't manufacture themselves because they have somebody else, you know, stirring, stirring the stew. And, you know, it's not really their, their, their fingerprint on it.
2: And like, that's a level of trust you've Mm -hmm. created with your customers that for them is probably irreplaceable.
1: It is irreplaceable. And I, I feel like, you know, businesses used to be that way, right? And then it became, and I think it came with the internet age. I remember, you know, I've been through a few boom and busts, right? You know, I, I remember the first internet boom and bust where, you know, everybody had a website and everybody was online and then everybody's out of business. And I, even today I'm like, <laughs> whatever happened to this company? Like they were so dominant and then now they're gone. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I, I think, uh, uh, you know, having a business is a great thing. You know, I, I love having a business and I want people to have businesses and we don't all have to be gajillionaires. We don't all have to be Bill Gates and all of that. We can just do the things we love every day and make you know, make our living. And, um, I feel, I, I, I hope things go back to that, you know, at some point.
0: So what you just said there is exactly what I'm hoping from the basement up does mm-hmm. it, it, excites and inspires people to start cuz you're living your passion. Yeah. And so you find your passion and you create a business with it and it really does create happiness. I I feel so lucky that every day I get to come here and build something where I love the people I work with. And it's just really, it's a wonderful thing. And you're, you're even, you're becoming an influencer. You're creating something, you know, beyond what I'm doing. You're, you know, it's a whole industry.
1: Influencing legislation. Yes. It's fascinating. So I just, thank you. Uh, Here's the other thing not everybody else, everybody is cut out to have their own business, right? Sometimes I feel like people feel this pressure that they need to have a business and they need to do this. And and I wanna say like, it's okay if you don't, you know what I mean? You don't, it, it, not everybody's built for it. I mean, we had, we didn't get into the stress and we didn't get into, right. you know, all that stuff. And um, so this all sounds really good and fun and all of that stuff, but there's, you know, there's a lot of hard work and stress that comes with it as well. And I, I do feel like sometimes people feel like they do, there's this pressure that they need to become like Elon Musk and start Tesla and they have to, you know, and, and it's okay to have a job. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing to have a job as well. And you, everybody can contribute in their own way. I just wanted to say thank you. And thank you for joining us today. This oh, was such a treat. My pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm really impressed with your podcast and, um, I'm looking forward to listening to many more, more episodes. Oh, great. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Jessica. Have a great day. Yeah. You too. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. bye Bye-bye.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today on From the Basement Up. Please be sure to check namebubbles.com for our blog on the podcast and all of the show notes, resources, and links for our guests every Thursday. And please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. And thank you.